This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight, being heard from coast to coast along this great country. I um, I got a, an SMS text message on January 4th from a, a previous listener of the week, and we're going to award the listener of the week a little bit later. But this is from Neil. This was his suggestion. suggestion. Show idea. And this is why, this is how you get to be listener of the week, with great topic ideas, like it was uh, Igor that brought up um, an idea that we talked about recently, the uh, gray divorce. But I, um, but, and you know, the listeners of the week frequently come up with great ideas. So he writes me, show idea. When I was in the army, I remember reading the menu outside the chow line, and the first thing said mulligan stew. It was a soup that they made... (laughs) With all the leftovers of the week, corn, hot dogs, potatoes, carrots, you name it. They just throw it all in there. It's the mulligan stew. So I was thinking, Frank, how about an hour called the mulligan stew hour? Callers can talk about anything and not only the topic discussed. Similar to Ask Frank Anything, but more of a topic conversation. If you're a new listener to the show, Ask Frank Anything is something we do on Fridays in the first hour of the program where people can call in on any subject they like. Just throwing it out there, Frank. Um, And then, you know, he mentions another subject that we did talk about on the air. I thought that would be fun. So I kind of filed it away for a future guest-free show. So since this is a guest-free show today, I thought we might try a mulligan stew hour. I'm not going to make this a habit because, you know, as Rush Limbaugh used to say, he was not going to allow his professional fate to be determined by rank amateurs. But even Rush on Fridays would do open line Fridays and let people call in and comment about whatever it is they wanted. So this is now... And we're not going to do this regularly, but we'll do it once in a while, depending on how it wells. And we've done it before. We haven't called it the Mulligan Stew Hour, but we will for the purposes of this discussion. This is now the Mulligan Stew Hour. Give me a call and comment on anything you see fit. Not for 15 seconds, and it does not have to be in the form of a question. Whatever's on your mind. Now's the time. 800-848-9222 does not have to be relevant to something that I've talked about before. certainly can be, but it doesn't have to be. 800-848-9222. Well, when we're talking mulligan stew, I can't think of somebody more apropos to start with than E. Frank. E. Frank, what's on your mind? Yes, Frank, I'm glad that you mentioned uh, the mulligan hour because I think it's a a good idea to have this segment uh, from now on. All right. Well, we'll we'll see how it goes. E. Frank, the segment is in your hands. Go ahead. Be heard. Yeah, I just want to comment. Uh, Joaquin, who in the previous two hours before, he said he wanted to become a serviceman, and he went to uh, join the Marine Corps. He wanted to be an infantryman. I think I did see uh, uh, Joaquin uh, years ago because I recruited. I recruited years ago, and, and let me tell you my story. It's very bad. 
you know, a lot of people don't make it into the military or the police because there are physical requirements. And and the physical requirements... What's going on over there, E. Frank? No, nothing. My mother just woke up. She just wanted to drink a glass of milk. All right. Well, she wanted a glass. Of, she wanted a drink of a glass of milk. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Well, any anyway, um, you know my story is a tragic one, Frank. I applied for the police department three times. I've been a police candidate three times. Uh, I um, um, have to keep up my auxiliary service record year after year for training purposes. It has to be uh, up to standards. Uh, I was a uh, cadet in the United States Air Force. Uh, I served under Detachment 560. Then I, I took uh, the ASVAB test. It's a preliminary ASVAB test to join the U.S. Army uh, in 1991. So uh, the physical requirements, I've always tried Please to tell me this guy didn't qualify for the military. Please the military tell me this police, guy did not make Excuse it me, the military. military requirement, and it's almost impossible Restore my faith. Because, in uh, the modern American military, that this guy was not let in. So, E. Frank, um, did you make it into the military? No. Okay. E. Frank had to go. He had to assist his mother with the glass of milk. I didn't hang up on him. He hung up on his own. Uh, he had to assist his mother with the glass of milk that um, she was in need of. 800-848-9222. Larry is in Brooklyn. Hi, Larry. Hi, you're giving me tourists, Frank, with this uh, change of pace all of a sudden. I had about 50 things to talk about before Mulligan. All now right, I have hey. 50 more things to talk about. There you go. Yeah. Well, we only have an hour, so do the best you can, Larry. Well, for the first point I want to make is when is, when is it going to occur to your wife that she has to start using reverse psychology on, on Carmine? I mean, when he wants to be picked up, she should say, um, should, I hold, should I hold me? And then he'll say, hold me. He'll feel well, she, she has been, you know, and when she has that conversation with him, he does get with the program. He does say, hold me instead of hold you. But when he's distraught and by himself, he resorts back to his natural hold you. He is capable of saying hold me and has said it. But um, his his go to his instinctual move is hold you. Oh, well, thank God, Frank, because it was starting to get really annoying but let, let me just let me just make an, an, another comment. Really, let me make another comment. Um, as far as the um, uh, as far as the what were you talking about? The military. I think you were ignoring the uh, the elephant in the room here. I mean, the, I think the primary reason uh, young people are not joining the military is you have to understand young people do not join in a vacuum. They're young people. They get influenced and they need and they seek approval for their decisions most of the time. And yes, so you have adults in on, on the uh, on the decision. Now adults are seeing an increasingly woke military, okay, uh, where all kinds of crazy notions uh, their kids are gonna be dressing next to transgenders like Leah Thomas and then and the NCAA and also um, in addition to that we see how our veterans are being treated. Not only our veterans but um, uh, people are being indicted for killing terrorists. I mean, in, in Afghanistan, and uh, and they're put in the brig until they're until they're they're exonerated. I mean, all, all, all these are going into the adults influencing their kids, and so I think that's a big factor. Is that's I think the main factor, if you ask me. Well, I I could see that. I could see some of that anyway. But I think this trend began more than a few years ago. I think it's been steadily 
going in what what I consider to be the wrong direction. So I don't know that it's necessarily immediately tied to the current changes in policy with the Defense Department, but uh, I hear what you're saying. I hear that. Yeah. And one final thing, I want to I want to uh, back up uh uh what that girl said about Rocco. Rocco is an incredible human being. I mean, he single-handedly uh he uh, stood fought down an anti-Semite. Um, and I say single-handedly because that anti-Semite was being promoted by another radio host for the sake of ratings. And Rocco just destroyed him. I mean, with every conviction in his soul. And I, if, if he's going through a bad time now, he shouldn't worry if he's listening because God has great things in store well, for him. Well, that's nice, Larry. Thank you. That's a nice thing. A uh, nice thing to hear. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. William is in Manhattan. William, what's on your mind? Yes, I wanted to say, uh, Frank, just to commentate on the last night, that the UFOs already been here. They are the stars in the sky. And some of them are angels, but they transform. The way we look at things is not actually how we perceive them, because artificial intelligence can never compute stuff on a higher level. But well, go ahead and speak, Frank. Well, no, no. Tell me more about what you what you have in mind. I mean, I, I'm following... Well, what I have in mind is that beyond the Ouija board or the pack of tarot cards, symbols and signs and, and like, will the light blind you when you brought... Well, can you kiss a tornado or make love to a hurricane? It's more like poetry, but in reality, we can never comprehend their... William Shatner, the UFOs. Remember that? Mm -hmm. When you look at the original, it looked like a UFO in front of when he had that starship. Right or wrong? Right. Absolutely right. Exactly. So this is what I'm saying. I'm I'm 50 years old. When I was a little kid, we still can't keep up with what we're dealing with in today. So they can't read our minds. It, it, what you believe is what you attract magnetically. Can you kiss a tornado or make love to a hurricane? Women are hurricanes. Men are tornadoes. <laughs> and that, that, my mouth is shut, Charlie Chaplin. Thank you. I love it, William. Thank you very much. 800 848 222. That's 800-848-9222. Greg, listening on WCBM in Baltimore. Greg, what's on your mind? Uh, just curious whether Carmine has a middle name. My son, Carmine. Yes. Yes, he does. His uh, his middle name is William. So he was named Carmine for my father, uh-huh. and his uh, middle name is William for my wife's father. So he's Carmine William Morano. Cool. Thank Which, you very much, sir. Thanks, Greg. Yeah, I mean, um, as I, I've, I've said before, I hope he likes the name Carmine. He seems to like it, but, you know, when, he is very fair. You know, he's got reddish hair or blondish hair and rosy red cheeks, and he's very fairly complected. He is the most Irish-looking Carmine Morano that has ever existed. And I hope he doesn't mind having such a, you know, a name that is is associated with ethnic Italians. I don't think he will because, you know, I, I think he'll be proud of his Italian side of his family. But if he does want to go in a different direction when he's older, if he's getting teased for being too Italian-sounding and Irish-looking, he could always go by C.W., Right, C. W. Morano or C. William Morano. Right? Doesn't that sound like a an author uh, of some sort? So he's got some flexibility there. But yeah, he's named Carmine William Morano for my dad and uh, my wife's dad. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. 
The original Rick is in original New Jersey. Hello, Rick. Yes, good morning, Frank. Good morning. Uh, Mullen and Stu, I uh, used to make that when I was on the commune. Unfortunately, every day we had a terrible meal, so at the end of the week, it was just a culmination of it all. Well, sounds um, delicious. Yeah. I, this, the Mulligan stew thing, I have to ask you. You started once telling a story, and then you said, I don't have time, but I'll finish it someday, and you never did. You ran out of gas one day in New Jersey with uh, Curtis on Valentine's Day. You went to get gas. And then you couldn't find the car. Yeah, I, so I, I think I have told the story before, but I'll tell it again um, it, fairly quickly. So, yeah, it was Valentine's Day. This was 20, I want to say 2012, may have been 2011. I think it was 2012. No, it was 2012. And um, we were working at a radio station that had its studio in Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. And we both, I was driving Curtis to the train so that he could go back to Manhattan. And I was uh, going to take the bridge to go to the borough in which I live. And uh, we did not have very much gas. I was driving my favorite car that I've ever had at the time, a Ford Taurus. I love that car. But the bad thing about a Ford Taurus is it was a gas guzzler. It would go through gas very quickly. It was not a fuel-efficient vehicle. So uh, we are in Asbrook Heights, and I run out of gas. And so we are trying to make it to a gas station. So I'm steering the car and Curtis uh, starts pushing the car from the rear while I'm steering it. So you have Curtis behind me um, pushing the car, and he's doing a pretty good job, I got to say, pushing it single-handedly until we get to a ramp that's going upward. So we get we get to going uphill, and Curtis, even as strong as he is, and especially uh, 12 years ago, as strong as he was, even he can't push a car uphill. So we're stopped. We're stopped, and uh, we're basically stranded on the side of the road. Now, if you're going to be stranded with someone, you want to be stranded with Curtis Lewa because he's like a, uh, a homing beacon. He's out there with that red beret and the red sateen jacket, so a car pulls over within five minutes of us being stranded, and they see Curtis. They say, hey, Curtis, what's going on? And we say to this guy, uh, you know, th- that I'm out of gas. I had a gas can because I had run out of gas before, and I um, I say to this fella, can you drive us to this gas station? He says, yeah, there's a gas station just a half a mile away. I'll drive you there. So he drives me to the gas station. It's walking distance, but he drives me there. I fill up my gas can with gas. I don't think I'm going to have any problem uh, finding my way back. And sure enough, I could not find my way back walking to where my car was. So about an hour and a half, maybe two hours go by, and I am lost. I am just caught in what seems like a maze. I'm walking all over the place, and I can't find the car. Curtis is calling me, and, you know, everything in that part of New Jersey looks exactly the same. It's all just highways and gas, and he's trying to tell me where he is. I'm trying to tell him where I was. Somehow, I was able to uh, finally find the car, but it took, uh, no exaggeration, at least two and a half hours. We're both incredibly late for the plans that we had. I um, dropped Curtis off at the train station. I then uh, drive home and arrive at the home of my then-girlfriend on Valentine's Day, 
completely filthy. My hands are filthy. It was, it was, um, you know, I, I would just, the clothes I was wearing was filthy. It looked like I had been walking around for two and a half hours with a gas can, which I was. So, um, that was it. We uh, we ran out of gas in Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey, and in spite of Curtis's best efforts, he was not able to push us home. How does Curtis not ever bring that up? Uh, you know, honestly, first of all, he used to bring it up more regularly, but I, I'm not saying this to be mean or anything. Curtis has been hit in the head so many times <laughs> that um, a lot of his a lot of his memory is not the best, and and I say that, and I'm not giving him a hard time because. I listened to him, both in private and on the radio, describe events that I was present for, and Curtis either omits such key details or he just doesn't remember them accurately. And and I can tell when Curtis is putting on a show when he's lying. This is Curtis just not remembering things. I actually do get worried about him from time to time because his memory is not – his memory for some things is great. It's encyclopedic, especially if he has a little bit of a reminder about something. But honestly, I think he's been hit in the head so many times, and I I mean that sincerely, that I think he's got some problems with both his long-term and short-term memory. Well, by the way, thank you for saying that story. I've been waiting a long time to hear that. Well, thanks for caring, Rick. Appreciate it. 800-848-9222. The Mulligan Stew Hour in full effect. Roger is in Massachusetts. Hi, Roger. Yeah, hi, thanks. Look, I wanted to uh, revisit the whole uh, speed limiter on automobiles. Remember from a month or two ago with John Banzai, I believe it was? Yes. Yeah, that's uh, okay. Uh, that won't work. You first of all have to have a speed limiter probably down around 75 miles an hour, so you wouldn't, so somebody wouldn't get killed in a wreck. All right, but instead, I hate to have to say it, the better way to do it, and then it, it also would ruin uh, the whole sports car industry. So instead, the way it should work is, I think Progressive does this, um, but I'll give my version of it. Since all the technology is available, all the tattletale technology is available uh, to, de- to determine how you're driving, whether you're swerving or jamming your brakes on or speeding a course or, blo- or, or blowing stop signs, all that technology, technology is available. Therefore, uh, from now on, insurance companies are the ones who, um, who uh, keep their thumb on people. I, I think Progressive Insurance Company, they have a device that plugs into your car and, and, and does all this tattletale, and, and then you should pay your insurance bill like your electric bill. Every month, you pay according to how you drove last month. Every month, you start off with a fresh, with a clean slate, but you pay your bill according to how you drove last month. And, uh, and, and it hits people in the wallet. Um, uh, uh, so that, um, you know, so they'll, you know, mm. and that, that would help regulate people's driving. Yeah, well, I, I, think, I think, you know, you see some insurance companies starting to do that already. In our, in our case, you know, uh, we have an insurance company that in order to get a little bit of a discount, we download an app. And then based on our driving, the app activates while we're driving. And based on our driving, it will uh, determine our insurance rate. And I know other other insurance companies have similar things. But what if people don't know what Roger's talking about, um, we were talking about a conversation that we had with John Banzaf. And Roger, thanks for the call. 
And he, John Banzeff is, in addition to being a very distinguished law professor, he's an MIT-trained engineer with two patents. And he has made a lot of proposals over year, over the years to improve the safety of school buses, which were adopted and made mandatory by the federal government. And basically, first of all, you have to acknowledge that speeding is the cause of about a third of all traffic deaths in this country. And what he points out is that almost every new car that's built today already has onboard computers. And these onboard computers do have a high-speed cutoff circuit, which prevents the vehicle from being driven at a speed greater than what's programmed into its memory. But Banzaf says the problem is that the top speeds that are programmed into these systems are usually higher than 110 miles per hour. And they're based upon the speed at which tires would begin to disintegrate from centrifugal force. What Banzaf has said is that top speed can quickly be reset easily by automobile dealers, by garages, and even others to something far more realistic. It's, he says it's almost as simple as computer users changing the defaults, like their font, on certain programs. I don't know a lot about cars, but uh, he, his suggestion to make that something more realistic, like 80 or 90 miles per hour, it might make sense. Maybe even a lower speed for inexperienced teen drivers or people who have multiple DUIs or multiple speeding convictions. I don't know. Uh, but I thought it was an intriguing proposal. I think your proposal is good, too. But I think insurance companies are already doing that to some extent. 800-848-9222. Patrick is in Huntington. What's on your mind, Patrick? Hello, Frank. Good morning. Uh, diabetes. Uh, uh, I, and over obesity-related diseases. I think this country is spending probably uh, $500 billion a year. Now, it'd be a big, long curve, but the money that's spent on these healthcare-related diseases, you'd see a savings. It would take 20 years. It wouldn't be popular for the, let's face it, up here in the Northeast, it's pensions and healthcare. And who eventually pays all that for these state and right, local Right, the employees? taxpayers. The taxpayers. So, uh, you know, you have to spread the risk around. But the, what, the patents for these drugs are about 20 years. But you look at the long-term savings economically, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, but they have, and let's face it, too, a lot of these state and local go- uh, employees pay next to nothing compared to the average person when it comes to health care. Right. So I guess, I'm, I guess I'm hearing dueling things, Patrick. Do you think that the state insurance plans should be covering these drugs or not? I think they should, and they have to bite the bullet, and the residents of the state are going to have to pay it, and also the the uh, the union people are going to have to kick in more money. All right. I think it's going to has to be a shared thing. Another thing, Frank, uh, with the great divorce, uh, I'm all for it. I mean, if you look at the numbers of some of these people, what they've saved, and it's it's a lot of them are uh, you know it's it's not much. So, you know, with the prevalence of uh, GoFundMe and all this other stuff, why not? Meaning a divorce registry. Yeah. 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 Okay. Patrick, thank you. I appreciate that. 800-848-9222. We're going to continue with your calls as part of the Mulligan Stew Hour. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano.
other side of midnight with Frank Morano. is the other side of midnight i'm frank morano uh my girl by the temptations another birthday bumper music selection by the great dr judy koreansky if you uh, ever want to know what kind of music we're playing on the show uh just join our facebook group just go on facebook and search morano m-o-r-a-n-o radio fans and haters and that's also meant to be a platform for listeners of this show to discuss it and criticism is welcome. Criticism is encouraged, especially if it's of the constructive variety. But, you know, if you want to say something nice about the show or anything that we do on it, you're welcome to do that as well. It's not meant to be a general discussion group of everything in the news. You know, sometimes people will post things in there. Um, you know, they'll see an interesting article and they'll think, even though I haven't talked about it, that that's the place to do it. No, it's not, unless it's come up on this show. Um, but it's Morano Radio fans and haters if you want to check it out there. All right. Uh, I did decide, because I think we're pretty much rapidly approaching the point of no return. You know, I, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago how a friend of mine, a close friend, um, for since we're, I think, about seven, and, you know, we've... We've known each other a long time. He was kind enough to invite me to the Super Bowl in Las Vegas this year. And I told him I would think about it. Ultimately, I have decided not to go. While I think it would be fun and I think it would be a great story to tell, ultimately, honestly, I just don't feel like making the trip. I don't feel like flying out there. I don't feel like dealing with all the massive crowds everywhere. I don't feel like, uh, uh, I, you know, booking a flight. I don't feel like, um, you know, trying to uh, having to either take the day after the Super Bowl off from this radio show or, um, you know, have to do the show on no sleep, which is inevitably what would happen. It's just it's a little bit much for me. I, I'll be honest. I have the older I've gotten. I'm much less into in general going to live sporting events. Minor league baseball and independent league baseball is maybe an exception to that because it's a little bit less of a happening. But I'm just I'm just kind of over it. I, I'm and um, I think I am becoming, especially on Sundays because of the show. You know, the next day, I'm just becoming more and more a um, I don't want to say a creature of habit, but a guy that doesn't that likes to just focus on the show that's coming up the next day and my responsibilities at home. I don't like, I don't want to be away from my son and wife for a day or two. And we have a, a family thing on that Saturday, right? So I'd have to miss that. I don't really want to miss that. So I just think I'm going to watch the game on television. So I'm going to tell my friend after the show today that I appreciate his offer. He's going to have no trouble getting someone else to go 
because I saw on television some tickets are going for in excess of um, of uh, nine thousand dollars, and then on the secondary market, some of them are going in excess of sixty thousand dollars, depending on where they are. So I'm going to let him know. I hope he's not disappointed, but I don't think he will be. Well, uh, I'm going to see him Friday because it's his it's his birthday. And uh, he can, I'm sure, bust my chops about it a little bit then. But it's just, it's, it's, so it's too much. It's too much for me. The only place, if I got an invitation to go for the Super Bowl on that I would absolutely accept is if William Shatner had, I think he is having a Super Bowl party. If I snagged an invite to that, I would go to that. All right, 800-848-9222. We're doing a mulligan stew hour where we're giving you an opportunity to talk about whatever you like. Let me say hello to Jay in the Poconos. Hello, Jay. Good morning, Frank. Um, so my my uh, thing was about running out of gas. Uh, we had a family friend who ran out of gas on the turnpike, and his buddy was steering. He was pushing a woman's swerve to miss a deer and hit him, knocked him hundreds of feet, and knocked the driver out, killed the guy that was pushing. Oh, no. And... Yeah, it was. They were DJs, and they were coming back from a gig at three o'clock in the morning, and just for a couple bucks worth of gas, that would have gotten them home. That's not worth it. But um, and I'll say. So, uh, so the other thing is the the speed control. I drive a truck, and most most all tractor trailers are governed at some speed or another, um, and so it's easy to change that. Not the driver can't do it, but. You know, just like you said, going into the computer, you can change that. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we need to do that with cars. Um, you know, if you're going too fast, if you're going 75 and a 55, it's too fast. And you're going to cause problems. Um, another thing is, you know, like if you break down on the road, like everybody should really be able to change a tire on a car. Sure. And understand that... Um, you know, if you break down on the side of the expressway, you might have to ruin your tire and wheel to get to a safe spot. You don't want to get run over by a car while you're changing a tire. Oh, no doubt about it. That is very, um, very sound advice. So, and great show. Enjoy listening. Thanks for everything. Have a great day. Thanks, Jay. You too. 800-848-9222. Russell is in White Plains. Hi, Russell. Hey, Frank. If Caller Larry gave me traveling advice, I'd do the exact opposite. I mean, reverse <laughs> psychology, that's five and dime. But I have a Katsimatidis stew story that, you know, John mentioned getting a pistol permit, I think, around 1978. And I was, in 1975, living on 85th and Broadway, and his family had the Red Apple on 87th between Broadway and West End. And there was a, a store called Pick and Pay right across Broadway where they would sell loose joints. And I went in there once, and, you know, his father was very taciturn. His mother was there. But John was in the back in a windowless room, like, studying books. And I, I approached him, and I said, you know, I'm friendly. I said, hey, I, how do you handle those crazy people across the street at the Pick and Pay? And John went back into the room, and he came out with a four-foot two-by-four with nails studded in it. And I realized, never <laughs> underestimate... You know, somebody that looks very cool and, and mild. So thanks a lot, Frank. And that's very funny. 
and uh, and at, I guess at different times in his grocery career, he also had a uh, Rocky Colavito baseball bat that uh, I don't know that he ever had to use, but it certainly played a pretty key role in terms of uh, intimidation from time to time. 800-848-9222. Uh, Eddie is in Nassau. Hello, Eddie. Hey, good morning, Frank. Just a quick quip. They found out in the Great Book of Life and even the cuneiform writings that in the Garden of Eden, it was not the cool apple on the tree. It was the hot tomato in the garden. <laughs> good morning. Thanks, Eddie. 800-848-9222. You know, they never actually say, at least in my version of the book of Genesis, what fruit it was that was the forbidden fruit from the tree of knowledge. Uh, some people say it's an apple. Other people say it's a quince. Um, but I don't think they ever specify, at least not in the English translations of the book of Genesis that I've read, what that fruit is. So it is what it is. All right, 800-848-9222. Gary is in Inwood. Hello, Gary. Good morning, Frank. I know you have a fondness for Gene Shepard. Absolutely. And I just discovered a show running parallel to you Tuesday night, Wednesday morning on WBAI-FM. It's called The Dustbin of History, and it's two hours of Gene Shepard. Yeah, is that uh, anchored by Mark uh, Leoza? Max, Max Schmid. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, no, well, that's great. Look, I mean, I don't appreciate you directing people to other listening options. I didn't Gary, know but... really how to go about that. I was very cautious before I said that. Right, well, I, I, I certainly hope you'll, I, I hope you'll call some other shows that are on at the same time we are and invite their audience to listen to this one. Thank you, Gary. I mean, that, that was a little bit of, it was kind of rude, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's another show that people might be interested in that's on at the same time. I think we might have to make this the last mulligan stew hour. 800-848-9222. Hello, Marie. What's on your mind? Good morning, everybody. Okay. It has to do with the music that you play and the rights, and it has to do with to the other channels on your, no, the other shows on your WABC, I would assume they have the rights to the same list. And the question would be, I guess, like, is there a list I can go to and see? Probably not. Yeah, I don't think so. I've been asking for a list, and I, I don't even have a list. So I'd be surprised many, if there was a list for you. How many? approximately how many songs do you have on the list? I don't know. Uh, Tony, do you have any idea how many songs we have in our library or how many songs we have the right to use? Do you have any idea? Too many to count. Too many to count. But are we talking 10,000, 2,000, 20,000? Do you have any idea? It might be a little bit over 10,000. Over 10,000. Okay, yeah. So I I really don't know, though, Marie, but Tony is much better informed than I am. That's pretty cool. Back to that guy about the you're talking about the cars and, and changing the tire real quick. I feel compelled sometimes to pull over and actually tell that person, you got to move over. Somebody's going to hit you because it happens on the LIE. It happens everywhere. You got to get all the way over. You can't have your butt in the, the third lane changing the tire because somebody got killed recently. 
Anyway, because I feel like I have to pull over and tell them, you got to move over. Right. Well, I have no problem, you know, with offering that warning. But I I think it is nice if you're going to do that and say, uh, hey, you better pull over before, you know, somebody hits you. I I think it's nice to offer to help as well, to help, uh, you know, with the whole tire changing process, because there's nothing uh, there's nothing worse than especially if someone doesn't necessarily know how to do it quickly, than to have somebody pull over and from their perspective, yell at them because they're yeah. not getting out of the way fast enough. So I think it's great to give them that kind of word to the wise, but it's it should be paired with an offer to help because uh, otherwise it comes across as a little nasty. I know you don't mean it to be that way, but it does come across a little bit nasty. All right. 800-848-9222. Mulligan Stew Hour. Five open lines if you have a comment on anything at all. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Six minutes after the hour, this is the great Johnny Mathis here on the other side of midnight. Taking your phone calls uh, for what Neil has named the Mulligan Stew Hour. And uh, this is your opportunity to talk about what's on your mind. You are not slave to my whims or my topic discussions or my curated idea of what should be on a radio show, this is your opportunity to program. 800-848-9222-800-848-9222. This is that time of the week. If you're new to the show, this is the time where since September, we have been naming a listener of the week. And there's a lot of great listeners. And part of me feels guilty doing this because in some ways it may come across as somewhat insulting to the people that support this show day in and day out. However, I I don't think it is because I think some people are worthy of some special recognition. And the folks that are selected as the listener of the week meet many of the 10 criteria that we use to evaluate them. One is frequency of listening. Two is on-air calls and contributions. Three is quality of written correspondence. Four is on-topic social media participation. 
Five is insight, topic suggestions, or assisting with guests. Six is evangelism about this program. Seven is supporting me or my endeavors. Eight is subscribing to the podcast. Nine is longevity. And ten is that old intangible being nice. And uh, this person could have easily been the listener of the week every week. And... This person, as their prize, will get to select a lot of the bumper music that we play tomorrow. This week's Listener of the Week is... Well-deserved. Some say long overdue. Evelyn from Bayonne! Congratulations, Evelyn from Bayonne. Evelyn is a teacher who apparently talks about this show so much in her classroom that she's developed a whole new class of young people listening to this show because of her. So thank you, Evelyn. Congratulations. You are the listener of the week. Well deserved. I appreciate that. And I appreciate everything you've done for our program. All right. Uh, we're on Twitter as well, at Frank Morano. That's Frank, M-O-R-A-N-O. If you want to uh, follow me there, I still call it Twitter. I realize it's now technically called X, but uh, I think that um, Twitter just has a much better ring to it than simply naming it for a letter. By the way, some interesting news on the Elon Musk front. For starters, he it looks like he has made an incredible progress in maybe the next generation of cyborgs. It's called Neuralink. Elon Musk announced that the first Neuralink brain implant has been installed and the patient is doing well. The implant is aimed at it's aimed at helping paralyzed people, providing a wireless link from the brain to a device like a smart prosthesis. Imagine that. So seemingly, the device recognized a brain signal going to it. It has a lot of other applications. It can, um, you know, imagine having a remote control inside your brain. And according to Elon Musk, he has said that the first human to receive a Neuralink cybernetic implant did so on Sunday and is recovering well. So uh, I don't know what kind of future this portends for America and the world. But who knows, 50, 60 years from now, are we all going to be like the Borg? A combination of biological and machine for whatever areas we may have shortcomings? Who knows? But this is big. This is big. Um, so in September, Neuralink announced that it was holding open recruitment for the first in-human clinical trial of its wireless brain-computer interface. And in that announcement, Neuralink said the precise robotically implanted brain-computer interface uh, study would evaluate the safety of this company's implant and surgical robot while assessing whether the device can help paralyzed people control external devices with their thoughts. I mean, can you imagine what somebody like Stephen Hawking could have done with something like this? Really amazing. 800-848-9222. 800 uh, JR is in Brooklyn. Hi, JR. Frank, how are you? Um, oh, wait till that, that Neuralink is on the battlefield. 
that's where it's really going to be. Oh, I don't the, doubt the most it. Effective. I don't doubt it. But that's how. I, but that's not why I'm calling. That's going to be a topic for you soon. Um, listen, these um, food service delivery people on their electronic bikes and scooters should have to have a uh, camera installed somewhere on their on their vehicle because the regular uh, citizens insurance payers should not be responsible for the way these guys drive. Interesting. They're well, the most reckless. Pe- they're the most reckless people on the road, especially throughout the city and out throughout the boroughs. So take me through your proposal. So basically any food service delivery person that rides a scooter would have a camera on it. Yes, correct. Or motorized bicycle or something similar to Uber and Lyft. When you get into an Uber or a Lyft, that thing is lit up with cameras. Hmm. Now, I don't know if if they do it for their insurance reason or for whatever rear safety reason or not. The if you take a look around, I don't know if you if you pick it up on your observations regularly throughout the day. Look at scooters. Look at food delivery. The way these guys drive. Oh no, I've noticed it. Long way. I've noticed it. it. I'm just wondering what that would uh, entail to single out really just one class of workers on one specific type of transportation and what that would mean for everybody else. Um, but I, well, I, I, I agree it's, it's a problem. Out. I agree it's a problem. It's not singled out. The MTA has cameras on their buses. A lot of other occupations have cameras. Sanitation trucks now will have them as well. They have cameras moving that they can go back to. They download at a depot or whatever. But they should have a, a, a something that protects the public against the way that they drive, just the same way they wanted cops to wear body cameras. Okay, great. Yeah, now everyone's now everyone's protected. Yeah, I, I, I get mess. the I get the whole rationale, Jr. And I think you could do it on the larger e-delivery services like uh, DoorDash and Seamless, and right. uh, I could I think you could implement that tomorrow. I wonder though. I'm trying to think of the guy that has a you know a small pizza shop, and he's trying to make ends meet, struggling to keep his doors open, and right. he's got a, a like a, a an 18 year old kid that's working there part time doing deliveries for him. Is that going going to create something that makes him having that 18-year-old kid there, is that untenable because the 18-year-old doesn't have a camera and the pizza shop owner doesn't want to pay for it? Well, but the pizza shop the pizza shop will most likely have insurance on that employee. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Hey, I think so it's worth... I don't think that DoorDash and them have, have it. I think it's worth thinking about, uh, JR. I think, I'm glad you raised it. Thank you. 800-848-9222. Gene is in Manhattan. Hi, Gene. Hi, Frank. Uh, this has to do with hearing a small child while you're on the phone. Uh, occasionally, you'll put your little Carmine on with something he's saying or uh, you wanted us to hear what he's doing right then. I was on the phone with a credit card customer service. Uh, within the last couple of weeks. And uh, while I was on the phone with the uh, woman, uh, she asked me to hold on for a minute while she checked something for me. And when she came on, I heard a little child, what I thought, in the background. And I said to her, "Uh, do you have a little child somewhere near you? Or am I hearing something from another place? And she said, you must be hearing my little one-year-old daughter. And I said, oh, my goodness, 
I guess I am. How is that? And she said, well, she's she's here with me. And I got off the phone afterwards, and I said to one of my neighbors, how do you think that's happening? And they said, that customer service person is is working from her home. Mm. And I thought, my gosh, I guess like everybody else, there are customer service or credit card people also are working from their home. Isn't yeah, I amazing. Mean, I, I think I think un- for I think unfortunately that's becoming the norm. Uh, and there was a study out this week which shows that companies and I don't know if I buy into this, but it, it was published and it was pretty reputable. Companies that allow their employees to work from home actually experience greater productivity than uh, companies that make their workers come into work. So I think you're only going to see more and more companies allowing that very thing. Yeah, and it was a delightful conversation I had with her. We got everything accomplished. Well, that's wonderful, Jean. Thank you. I appreciate you sharing that. I'm glad your credit card situation is uh, is under control. I always find my credit card uh, situation uh, conversations are are inevitably very unsatisfying. 800-848-9222. Garland is in Baltimore. Hello, Frank. I'm glad to hear you on the air. I listen to you every evening. Thank you. That's nice of you. Spread the word for us out there. I do. Garland, uh, I belong to the American Legion, and believe me, you hear these people talking about trying to get their younger people into the service. Recently, a woman told me they had a waiting list for the Army and the Air Force, but being a retired officer, many a times in court, they, they used to have at one time recruiters and the judges say, well, you go, you go into service, you're going to jail. And the last last repertoire was, I'll take the jail because I got three hots and a cot and free cable. Well, yeah, I I don't I'm not surprised to hear that. You know, my Uncle Joe got into some trouble when he was a youngster. And basically, that was how he he escaped uh, going to jail. He said he was going to the army because the assumption was among local authorities that the army would straighten you out with whatever behavioral issue you had. Hey, Garland, thank you. I'm sorry I'm out of time. Uh, I appreciate the call and uh, do spread the word for us every with the good folks over at uh, WCBM and everybody in the Baltimore area. Until next hour, in the words of the great Bob Grant, your influence counts. Use it.